There was one we did before, so it's very casual. Uh, please help yourself, and um, I'm sure people will, you know, as well, I think one or two more people may be coming. So um, I'd like to thank um, Lisa, Deluca, and Lisa Rose Wild for, um, for agreeing to do this. Uh, we do try to make sure, hey, there you are, come on in. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, to, to give us some insight into some of the new things that are available in the library um, for our teaching and scholarship, but also um, you know, things that maybe we just don't know a lot about and we're not even aware actually exist. So, ladies, <laughs> colleagues, thank you, Mary. Um, can we just do a quick around the room to just have, give your name and your department? Um, Ruth, can we start with you? Sure. Hi, I'm Ruth Sturia, I'm assistant professor in communication with the arts. That's a library. I'm also the co-chair of the Senate Library Committee, so if you want to join us, please. Michael Farmer, I'm a grad student in the College of Education and I'm Stephanie Myers, same exact thing, and fun fact, I'm actually a student of Dr. Anthony over here. I'm in the library now. I'm in the library. And um, I'm also a Maya student's education um, program. Hi, I'm Melissa Martini. I'm the graduate assistant for the Center for Faculty Development and an English grad student. Elizabeth McCray, the Department of Management in the School of Business. And I'm Lisa Rose Wiles. I'm the library. Excuse my mouthful. I'm Mary Schofield. I'm an adjunct with the with the um, psychology department. I'm Mary Laundrieu. I'm uh, a department of social programs. Great. Great. I'm I'm thrilled with this turnout. Um, <laughs> um, so thank you for coming. And as you're walking in, what's your name? I'm And which department are you with? English. Okay, wonderful. All right. Well, our our goal in you know the next 45 minutes or so are to show you some tools um, that the library subscribes to that you may not know about, and think of it as you know a Chinese menu. We'll we'll just do like a broad overview um, of a number of things. If there's anything you want to dive deeper into, we can do that. Or if you could, you know we can meet with you, um, or you can meet with your liaison librarian. Um, to figure out if you want to integrate things into a course. Um, and shout out to the higher ed grad students who are terrific. And we had a Love Data Week, um, Valentine's <laughs> Week, and they came to every single event, which was just really impressive. And um, we talked about, we'll talk about, um, we'll go through ICPSR today, but at the Love Data Week event, we'll talk more about. Um, data management, um, which is an area that the library's uh, moving into. So it's not only finding data sets for your research if you need it, but also helping you store data if you want to figure out the best option to where you, where you put your spreadsheets or your CSV files when you're working on a big project. Um, or where, where do you put them um, once um, an article is published. Um, or a book is published so it can be publicly accessible. So we want to help with those kinds of things. Um, so I'm going to start with um, something called Policy Map, which is a simple GIS tool that it's, li it's listed as a database. It's also a publicly available tool, which is great for students after they graduate. Um, so it's 
um, this started as a real estate investment trust. And, um, you know, they saw a commercial or academic uh, opportunity. And this allows you, policy map allows you to create simple maps very quickly. Um, you know, GIS is expensive, there's a long learning curve, but this allows your students to create something very quickly. Um, so I'll put in, all you need is a location, and you can use this from off campus as well as on. And let's say I just want to look at um, per capita income in South Orange. Okay, so I can zoom in, zoom out, um, and you have your map, um, which shows the shaded areas of income. I know it's hard to see. Uh, yeah, sure. From the back of the room. But you can set up any ranges that you want. Um, this does not include historical data, so one shortcoming of the product is you can't see change over time unless you, you know, built several maps and then just did a screen capture and put them side by side. I, I'm sure that's something that they're working on. Um, but your students, um, Lisa's working with the social work department. Um, they're all putting busy putting together Petersheim posters and their products, um, their, their projects are based on Newark related data. So they're all going in and this is a great thing to add to a poster. Um, you can email yourself these maps, you can share them with people, um, or just do a, a snip and um, policy map will also give you citations from here and it, it includes mostly publicly available data. So you could get this all on your own, but the idea is that it aggregates this. Um, and we've had a lot of success in the MHA program, um, in business for entrepreneurship classes with students have to do market research. Um, political science, Mike Taylor uses this. Um, and now we're getting into social work, which is great. Well, they all are very excited about it, but one question that, <coughs> and I know you're coming to yeah. at least one of the presentations with me. I, look, I just discovered there's more than 30 of them going to present at Peter Schein, which is a good time for me to put in a Peter Schein plug. Um, is it, and it took me a while to figure out, I was looking for a way to download and save the map, yeah. and there doesn't seem to be such a thing. The download just downloads the data, or am I doing something wrong? We did end up, we just snipped it and put it into the poster because that was the easiest way to do it anyway because you'll notice that if you just want to zoom in on the Newark part and then the, the legend is way over the left so it's easy to just snip those two pieces and plug them in but yeah. I thought maybe I was doing something inept. No, I've been fighting with them because <laughs> they, I believe it's the, um, the print icon means to save. Oh. Um, and I told them that that wasn't intuitive. No, I was actually looking at the download. Okay. Export. Ah, okay. Thank you. Yeah, it's export. Actually, <laughs> I know. Sorry, it's, it's the product's a little clunky, right? That doesn't make sense. Oh, you have to export it, or you have to save it. Export it. I think export, export means saved. Okay. Export means saved. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then it'll ask you where you want to export it to, which I guess then sets up a file where that you would save. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. And so there we go. Opportunity and knowable when people ask. Yeah. Um, and then the idea, there's different modes 
Um, again, there's a lot of great data in here, but it, the, the interface is a little bit clunky, but you can set up tables, um, or if you prefer, you can get the data from here and just download it into Excel, depending on what your students are doing. You can set up a three-layer map to compare variables, and only when all three um, variables, the criteria is met, then you will get a shaded map. It will be different, I'm sorry, you will get a purple map different from this shaded map where there's different gradations. Um, and then there are also um, reports. So for example, we're, gonna, we're going into some nursing classes um, starting next week. And you can pull, um, you can run a community profile, and this will give you like a 40-page result uh, report with all the different um, demographic uh, information within two seconds. And again, it's, it's not intuitive. You have to put in a location. And um, when you're looking at the maps, you can choose a congressional district, um, a census tract, a zip code, a county, um, whatever. Um, you're looking for. And then if I want to put in Newark, I'll come back. Let's see. Okay, so here, again, not super intuitive. In the upper right corner, it looks like that button is not available, right? Because it's gray, but it actually is. So, um, you click generate report and then you're going to get a very lengthy profile. I don't want to make you dizzy, but of all the different um, demographic variables in a, a click of a button. Um, and then also we have um, a community health report, which Judy Lucas helped to put together um, because she didn't like the community profile. It wasn't specific enough for her field. And the social work people love this. Yeah, this is, yeah. so um, that's available too. Again, you just put in a city and you're going to get the report. So, you know, on one hand, you may not want your students to know about this because you want them to do the legwork to maybe find the data, but in other situations, it might be. Um, very useful. What is HMDA? Um, again, I think this is, yeah, it's a housing, let's see, home mortgages. Oh, home mortgages. Okay. So, you know, this is fairly simple to use and we're happy to help. We can come to your class if you want us to give an overview um, or we can work with you. We're really flexible on that. Um, and then it gives the students just the opportunity to add a visualization to, you know, a report or an assignment. Um, Greg Iannarella from English uses this in his business writing class, right? So just is helping helps the students with, you know, hone their digital and data literacy skills to do something a little bit different, but there's not a huge time investment for you or for them unless, you know, you want to take this. Further, and you can um, import data from other sources into policy map. Um, and if there's something that you don't see right now, there's still a small company. Um, so if there is something that you don't see that you would like to see, 
um, they are open to bringing that data in. Yes. I would be curious, how do they pull those data together as a Algorithm that they use particular one, I would think that we can combine information in various ways. Do they not talk about them? Um, yeah, I'm sure we can. We can see if we can find but it. I, I don't want to. Yeah. Australia is also curious how they. You said they pulled it all together. Yeah. Well, no, that's a good opportunity to point out. So the the public version. Um, does list all their data sources. Mm -hmm. um, so they give you more background. And again, I think this is a great teaching tool because to help students understand what data indicators are, what are or the agencies that are um, creating these data sets, because they might not know, right? So they can look it up here, and there's you know an exhaustive list. Again, this is on the the public site, and they do have the most recent, um, whatever the most recent, yes, yeah, census um, available. But then, if we go in to the tool, okay, it tell it always tells you the data source. Again, I know this is microscopic, but <laughs> up at the top, whatever data layer that you choose, it'll tell you the source agency. That's yeah. that in itself since it's a Yeah, definitely, right? So they've got, um, what's good is if um, you can go, I find this pretty overwhelming, right? They've got all these different categories. Um, so if you're looking at, you know, uh, food stamps, um, locations, SNAP locations, farmers markets, you've got all of this in here, but you can also use the search box, if, you know, to put food stamps or SNAP, so you don't have to dig through all of this. And then um, the, the other thing you want to be aware of, and I think they could do a better job, is you've got data layers here, which you'll see on the maps, okay, like the climate index, the social vulnerability index, and then you've got data points, and the data points are the physical location. So if you choose farmers markets, which I'll do, you'll see like little orange dots. So um, what's the social vulnerability? Index? Yeah, that's, you know what that's based on. Um, I was just reading about it. It sounds yeah, like a very. No, that's all right. <laughs> I'm gonna have to Google it because I can't. Yeah. Right. It would be interesting if you could superimpose the two. Yeah. yeah. So the CDC puts out the Social Vulnerability oh. Index. But it, there was a really neat, I found a great site about it. Because this would be really useful for these social studies students. Yeah. If it's right? about a measure. Yep. Because a lot of them are about mental health yeah. and poverty and homelessness. I'm impressed here. Fifteen variables to show their resilience, right? How which is really, I thought this was really interesting. Oh, I see. It's at the community level. It's not yeah. an individual measure. Yeah. Interesting. But that's... Communities. Yeah. And 
So, yeah, that's a 30-second overview of it, but, um, so yeah, there's a lot of great stuff in here, um, so, if we look at, um, SNAP retail locations, for example, that's a notice that, you know, it's, it's showing us social vulnerability in the, the shaded areas, and then the SNAP locations are in the orange dots. So just think about how you might want to use this, whether it's your own research or, in, you know, with your students. Okay, so yeah, we see all these locations, but you also have the ability from here to download these locations. If this isn't useful, but this data in a spreadsheet is, you can pull it from here. So there's a lot of different ways. Have you used that? Have our graduate students used it? No. no. Okay. All right. Great. Okay, good. I'm glad we teach you something new today. Okay. I see there's an education component as well. Yeah. So I know that it's much more complicated. I know for something like are oh, there there are materials and other things available online. Um, is there something available policy that we said? Yeah. You know. Yeah. We have. I'll send you okay. some links. Um, to it, but they're great YouTube videos. Um, honestly, right. they're better than anything we could put together. So they have um, yeah, and um, they have um, Ann Hewitt was on one of their. They do um, chats every maybe quarterly. So let me just show you. Um, so if you want to find something more specific to your discipline, you, you, you can definitely, there will be more than you want. Like just, just looking at this, right, here we go. Social vulnerability index, community engagement, health and housing, vulnerable populations. There's a lot of great stuff. And so those, you, on these chats, there's practitioners talking about how they're using it. So it's great. Um, any other questions? Okay. And if you are going to use it, I recommend starting off simple. Just have the students do a simple shaded map. Mm -hmm. um, Mike Taylor did this in um, his poli-sci course a few years running, and definitely the first time it's like you give this, you just give the students very specific instructions. It's easier for them to have success, and then you can build on that. Okay. So next, um, we'll go. Another database, um, we'll call it, but it's really a, just a subscription, is ICPSR. And have any of you used that at other institutions? Okay, so that is the Inter, I always get this wrong, Inter University Consortium for Political and Social Research. Basically, this is a large data repository um, based out of the University of Michigan. A lot of the data sets are free, um, but some you um, get with a subscription. So Seton Hall has a subscription. Um, and so what does that mean? It means you can go in to just look for data that might exist here. And there's tens of thousands of data sets. And so I just put in higher education, and 
there's 5,000 studies in here. Um, there's thousands of members worldwide, um, academic institutions that contribute data to this repository. Um, you can search by variable. Um, you can look at the publications that contain ICPSR data. Again, it's what do you want your students to do? Do you want to like, you know, have them start at the data level and move forward and see how something gets published? Or they could go into a publication and work backwards and see where the data originated from. Um, yeah? Just, just to be clear, so these are just the data, excuse me, the data sets? Yeah. Oh, great. So these are just the data sets. Um, Ruth, what's something you might want to search for? Mm, call that digital gas. Okay, great. It might be also digital Okay, yeah, we can check both. Um, yeah, I'm sure the first one is. Right, so there's a lot here. And again, this is all free. The first time you can, um, you need to set up a login with ICPSR, which you can do right on their website. The first time you do it, you want to do it on campus, just the way the authentication is set up, and then you can access this um, from anywhere. And again, this is so great because, okay, so let's say Ruth wants to use this in her course, and you, the whole project is described here. Um, and, you know, the code book is available for download. The files are available for download. So if you're a researcher and mm -hmm. you, um, and there's a data set here, are you allowed to do a different analysis of the data and then publish this as long as you yeah. cite yeah. where you got the data? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Does it generally yeah, Lisa is our copyright expert. Um, yeah, I believe that it will. Let's take a look. And that was a citation right there. Up a little further than the citation code. Oh, yes, good. Oh, yes. Thank you. Cite the study right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yes, it will give you the citation. And then you can download the data itself, you know, SPSS, whatever format you might be using. No, I was just thinking, I have all mine up on Mendeley, but I probably should stick it up there too. Yeah, it would be great. Not that anybody wants bibliometric data for chemistry journals. You never know, <laughs> right? Um, and then here are the publications. So I think this is great too. It, show, you know, it shows the students the whole process. Yeah, so what's the end product? Um, here are the articles. And... It's just another resource, and there are um, there are so this site is great, but there's almost too much here. There's all kinds of um, exercises that they put together already that you could use for your teaching. Um, let's see, Pam Foley um, has an article in here in her data um, resources for students and teachers. So if you want to see what exercises they have, okay, so even here are just some gender differences, religion, voting behavior. Um, they've got a lot of pre-camp stuff they can use. Um, and then another plug I will give is that um, 
they have a, ICPSR has a big summer program. And so this is an amazing um, continuing education opportunity for faculty or graduate students. Um, they have a lot of scholarships. I think the deadline for the scholarships is, is approaching um, March 31st. Um, but they just have an amazing schedule of any kind of qualitative or quantitative um, research that you you might need. Um, is it in person? Yeah, it's in person. It's it's most most remind me about that. Also, yeah, sociology folks, because I saw that there was one that was open to sociology students. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's there's hundreds of workshops. Some are a month long, which is amazing. Um, some are just a few days. Um, so anything that you might want to take a deeper dive into. Um, some of one of one of your fellow students went last summer. I'm not sure what program she took, and we sent um, Martha Loesch from the library to. Um, but th but these are fantastic. If if you know miraculously you find extra funding at the end of the year. Um, in June you may want to think about it or if you have a fantastic student um, that you want to support. Um, these are really great, well-known um, workshops. Okay. All right. Um, so that's ICPSR. There's, we could spend you know, all day going in here, but definitely take a look. And then the last thing that I'll cover is um, JSTOR. Um, because how many of you use JSTOR to find articles? Yeah. Um, okay, this side of the room maybe, another English student. Okay, so what I want to show you is JSTOR started as, um, you know, journal storage to keep all of these academic articles available for you online. But they have something called JSTOR Labs, um, which just means they've got um, all these new tools to help entice us to continue to buy their, <laughs> their modules, right? They have a good marketing person so, um, or team. So the simplest thing that they have, um, and Stephanie, you were signed up for this webinar and then I canceled it, right? Yes, for the weather. So this is what we went over and I can send you more information. But um, you can take, the text analyzer will take a document, whether it's, hello, um, whether it's an article from JSTOR or something you pulled, um, you know, a United Nations speech or some kind of study. And all you have to do is go to this page and drop in the document and it'll give you a quick um, summary of frequently used words in the document if you wanted to teach your students to do a simple textual analysis. Or, or maybe it'll just help you, you know, frame how you're thinking um, about your research. So you can use any document. It doesn't have to be JSTOR content. Even if it's copyrighted to somebody else. Well, that I can't speak for, right? Yeah. Um, I just yeah. thought you would you, like, drag in a progress document. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know yeah. that. I thought it was only for JSTOR. Yes, yeah. it's not only oh. for JSTOR. And you can, you can change this if you didn't like these terms. Like maybe if I wanted to take out microscopy, I can add other things. 
Um, and then, you know, it's just, a, again, a way maybe for your own research or to teach your students how to do, you know, just some quick, easy data visualization. Um, because these are skills they'll need, at, you know, whether they go on to graduate school or are looking for a job, taking points and things like this. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering, is this uh, only giving me uh, the quantitative analysis, or can I actually then go to the pages where those words are used? Um, yeah. You, you know, I, for example, am interested in the concept of. Yeah, if it's fairy tales. Or yeah. Um, 18th century German, whatever. Uh, could I search for that and then it would spit out information? I believe this is going to be looking. Okay, now, so that's a great question. This is going to look through JSTOR's body of work. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that means the things we subscribe to or everything. So I can, yeah, I can find out. By, because now I remember that I have actually run into this um, site. But, so, so I can access articles? Yes. So on the right, based on the document, mm -hmm. it will give you suggestions mm -hmm. on the right side. And so if I would drop those into that analyzer, would I be able yeah. to look for a concept, for example? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if you would have to combine all the articles into okay. one document, but they actually have something else that I think addresses what you're mm -hmm. looking for. So. Um, they have something else called data for research, um, which we just found out about, um, where you can create a data set based on a larger body of work. Mm -hmm. And again, so this is amazing because right now, still, it's free. Right? Mm -hmm. It will check all of JSTOR's content. So. Um, if, if you're looking for, you know, supply chain management, it, it will look beyond the material that Seton Hall subscribes to, which is amazing because a lot of other vendors, they want to charge you for these kinds of add-ons. So... You should do it quickly before they stop charging. I know, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, and we're experimenting at, um, in the library uh, with this right now. Um, I'm going to work with Marta to pull up um, some data sets. So we'll, we'll hopefully get a... Actually, Hina will be very interested. Yeah. Okay. So just, just be aware that they do have these services. Um, they do a great job of outlining your different, um, different options um, for you. So their main page. You can request up to, um, I think it's 25,000 items uh, for free that you want to, um, that you may want to compare, um, whether it's words, patterns, um, pair, pairings, um, and we can definitely help you with this. Try and stay a, a step ahead and figure it out. Um, but yeah, this one, this one at the top where it says create a data set, you can use up to 25,000 documents. 
And then um, if you wanted something bigger than that, you just, I think, have to sign a document. But I don't think there's a charge for that yet right now, too, which is amazing. So something else to think about. So. I can use your computer. Yeah, absolutely. It's at least like I can do all the sexy new stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't really have sexy new stuff. Um, but what I will show you a couple of things. By the way, for those who don't know me, I'm Lisa Rose Files. I'm officially the science librarian. That's what I was hired for 10 years ago. But I'm also anthropology, sociology, social work, and more recently psychology and the core. So I get to do lots of fun stuff. Um, I'll show you a couple of things you may not know about, and then I'm just going to ask you what you want to see. But just for folks in my area, something I do that isn't very well publicized. Well, it is because I email people all the time, but how many of us read our emails, right? <laughs> Seriously. Okay, so under this research help tab, which most of you probably know about, we have these research guides. And on mine, and I'll show psych because, well, actually, I haven't really updated the psych. Let me do social work. That was probably a better choice, but I will show the psychology one, too. Whoa. This list just gets longer and longer, doesn't it? And there's one there's a policy map notice. Yeah. Okay, so... If we go here under the books tab, and I do this for all of mine, there is a list that connects to my WorldCat site with all the recent book orders, some of which might not actually be there yet because I put them in as soon as I ordered. So if you don't want to check over to the library and look at the lovely new bookshelf, which is up on the left-hand side and is always fun to browse, at least in my areas, you can see what's on order. And you can go to the website. And this, this is all open. You can do anything with it. You can share it. You can select anything you want. The only downside is that because we recently changed our library catalog, this used to hook up directly and show you what the status was, whether it was on order or here or received or whatever. And now, unfortunately, it doesn't. This is something I moaned heavily to Elizabeth about, but they were not able to fix. Um, so you have to go the extra step to see where it's at. And let me just show you the one for psych. One of the nice things when I was recently gifted with psychology, after nurse, I used to be on um, and nursing as well. And after they moved out to Nutley, people I still miss, Said, oh, you won't have nearly enough work to do. Let's give you a few other areas. But this corresponded with social work getting a very, very active um, master's program, and they keep me very busy. And physics getting a master's program. So I was surprised. I thought I'd have all this extra time. <laughs> but the good thing was, when I was gifted with psychology, I pulled a long face. And I said, oh. Well, if you want me to take on psychology, it's a very demanding department, and do some ordering for them, I'm going to need some money. So I somehow managed to get a big chunk of money. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, I've got to fix that. That shouldn't have all that underneath of it. So I have recently ordered about 230 books in psychology. Mm. So 
have fun with those. I didn't know if anybody knew that all those lists were there, but um, oftentimes it's useful to know what's on order because if you maybe want to adopt something for a course, you can put it on reserve. You could alert me and say, I'm going to be using this for a course. This is available as an e-book or you have an extra copy or something like that. So the next thing I was going to do just very quickly, and then see if anybody wants anything, is recently in teaching. By the way, do you guys, are you teaching at all for students? Yes? Okay. I started revamping a lot of what I've been doing, and this is partly due to Mary getting me involved in the CP book, <laughs> doing a lot of reflection about teaching. And we have new coordinators of instruction, and really spending a lot more time kind of going back to basics on what research is and what the research process is and why we do research. And I was kind of stunned to find out that asking that this was actually in a third year research class, the question, why do we do research? And not really getting very good answers to that question. And it struck me that shouldn't be going through a month student who came up to me after this discussion and said, I, you know, I just got finished four years and how come I've never had this discussion before? Um, so I thought that that was really interesting and I don't know if others of you have kind of found the same thing. And it goes along with, you know, the outstanding feel about why we use the library databases instead of Google, which probably everybody who knows me has heard me give that a hundred times. And if you're not convinced by its unregulated and a lot of irrelevant stuff and anybody can write an article out there and get it posted the, if you, you know, you're off, off campus and you find a beautiful article and then it says pay $25 and then I ask have you paid, did you pay? And the students say no and say, oh that's good or I said aren't you paying enough tuition and you want to pay more for something you already got? Um, but it really got me thinking about so many students come at least to the reference desk or ask me in classes and say, I have a research paper, like they've got a disease, <laughs> and I've got to find five people articles. And I say, why? And usually the answer is, of course, you know, here's the assignment because my instructor says so, or my very favorite, to support my argument, which I usually give fun things. Yeah, I get why that is. So you can't say something totally stupid off the top of your head and not find supporting evidence. But, oh, so you know, I, I have a theory that cockroaches are going to take over the world. And I'm going to ignore any evidence to the contrary. I only want things that support my argument. And then, of course, they all kind of But anyway, coming back to that original thing about why we do research, the hardest thing to really out of students seem to be because I have a question. You know, they were all looking for some like real high level meta explanation and some of them had really good things like to contribute to the body of knowledge and help end world hunger and all sorts of fantastic things, all which are good. But they, they seem to not get that concept of research as all that. I have a question. I'm curious. And they particularly struggle with I've been given a topic to, I have a research question. And I think that comes out of, those of you in education, does this come out of high school education that given a topic, not a question? And it seems hard to switch gears, or maybe they're given something much more structured, but I Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry about that. So, and no problem. Anyway, what all that big lead up to was to show that there is actually 
example, are a couple of databases which can help with that particular area of things. And they're not very well publicized, A, because they come from Gale, which probably those of you who've done English teaching know for our literary criticism databases. But these are called in context. And these are not, this, this is sort of the other end of the scale from the things that Lisa D was showing you, which are, you know, really great tools for students who kind of know how to do research and want to do research. These are the students who are starting out, particularly for freshmen, and haven't a clue about choosing a topic, developing a research question, or even how to kind of build something. So this is the opposite end. And one of my favorites, actually, there's several of them. There's a whole bunch of them, and these are other things. But this one called Student Resources in Context gives them a place to go just to kind of get started. And you have to warn them, you know, this, if, you, if you want five peer-reviewed articles to support your argument or whatever, this is not where you're going to go for it. This is where you're going to go and get some sort of background on what your topic is. So for example, if you know maybe we're interested in gun control, what it gives them is enough background on it to start formulating a research question. And I really find the students here, this is the piece that's missing. They either I said they, they don't have a clue about needing a research question versus a topic or what it is. Or they come to us and you say, you know, what, what, what are you researching? What are you writing a paper about? And they'll say, oh, cancer was one of my favorites, right? Who, who put that one in? Or um, another really good one, the causes of war, right? Or um, the civil war, which always makes me laugh. Because I said, oh, which civil war are you talking about? And of course, I mean, the American civil war has been quite surprised when I suggested other countries have actually had some civil wars one or two. So there's that part, and then there's the other extreme, the students who come and say, okay, I want to do a study of middle-aged women living on Harrison Street in Newark who've got breast cancer. You know, something so specific that you're not going to find any literature on it. So these little databases are really, I find, a useful way for them to get the background that they need to develop a research question. And there's a whole bunch of them. Um, they come from the same people who bring opposing viewpoints, which is very much in vogue with our first-year students. And they even have these little critical thinking questions. Now, obviously, we don't want them to just you know, adopt questions that somebody else asks, but it's that sort of thing. They give you all these related topics. They do, they do give you um, links to some, some journals, but they tend not to be the best always. Um, they give you primary sources, references, images, audio, cases. And I said, and that's just the student research one. There's more specific ones. There's the, the um, biography one. There's ones for literature. That's kind of my favorite. The one specifically for history and US history, global issues is another good one science, of course, biography, and then finally there is our old favorite opposing viewpoints. And looking at some of our stats, these are really underused, and I suspect it's because we don't publicize them very much. 
because in contrast to a lot of our more high-end things, they're actually really inexpensive. Gail throws these in with a bunch of other expensive stuff that we pay for. So if you're teaching particularly freshmen, first year students, sorry, I had a big go around with somebody else about saying freshmen the other day. Um, I think you must find this, bless you, really useful. So I said, I don't really have anything terribly exciting and new to show you, but is there anything anyone has questions about? Yeah. Um, not regarding um, this specifically, but I was wondering how many for the uh, respective disciplines for the, I know that mostly someone had an, M, had an MH grant. Could you give us an update about the different oh. resources that we have in the, in the various disciplines in terms of us ordering books? Happily. We don't have to have a bad conscience. We never have a bad conscience. Okay. The library is a tale of two cities. In, when I first came, there was a very, very rigid distinction, and I would say barrier between NEH, which is covered by our National Endowment for the Humanities Grant, which even during the recession still generated a good amount of interest, because we live on the interest from the capital. And originally, the humanities were very rigidly defined. It was basically, you know, our classical humanities disciplines, including philosophy and English and so on and so forth, and definitely excluding the sciences. And in fact, apart from a brief windfall when I first arrived, we had about three years during the recession. I had no money for my disciplines because they were all not engaged. And what happens in the library is that our first priority typically is the online databases, which are essential usually just for accreditation and because people would howl if we cut off science directly, which I can buy a lovely house in New Jersey every year. So database costs and journal costs go up every year, usually by 5%. Um, we got the first prize in the library materials budget last year of $100,000, which is the first increase we've had since I've been here, and that's 10 years. So you figure out how far behind. So that's why people hear the horrible argument, I like such and such a journal. Sure, what would you give up to pay for it? However, before this sounds all too horrible, although it is unfortunate, and I said we did get a little pay increase, so we're really pushing to have that made a permanent part of the budget, so inflation is built in. I don't know how that will go down with the provost's office. But the other end that our rather creative dean has been taking with this is really pushing the envelope of what counts I've always been very creative, so if I want a science book that has the word ethics, philosophy, history, anything like that in the write-up, I will shove it under NEH because it's history of science or philosophy of science or something like that. We've always done that. Um, more recently, we've managed to get the definition of NEH expanded to include, what else, psychology and um, sociology and social work. I don't know how they did that. A couple of other things have gone in there, too. I'll have to look at the exact breakdown. But really, if we can push the envelope and get it into NEH, we will do that. Because money is always going to be restricted. But I'm not particular budgets for the various... Uh, oh, you mean each? I'm yeah, sorry, you mean yeah. each? Okay, we haven't had a strict demarcation between disciplines for a while, largely because the disparity has been so great. But it's never written in stone. So, for example, in the past, I run out of money, say, because I've done a huge amount of ordering in psychology and gone over my budget, which I'm sure I have. 
somebody else may not have reached their budget and we'll, we'll just do a reallocation. So just because, you know, I'm sorry, what just happened? Philosophy. Oh, well, you should never run out of money. Um, does educate, education, we haven't squeezed under NEH yet, have we? I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure, but I do. My encouragement to everybody is never be afraid to ask. Yeah. The worst I can say is no. The hardest thing to get is new online resources that are a subscription because that implies a commitment on the library's part to future expenditure that we don't know if we'll have budget for because our budget is always uncertain. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not uncertain in the fact that it's not going to increase, but increases are uncertain. Um, but if you don't ask, you don't get, and we'll go to bat for anything you want. Yeah. And we can, oh. just because this... Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 you're good. And please, um, pick up. I was just going to say, um, to agree, just to order what you need, and if you're ordering too much, we'll tell you. We'll, we'll cut you off. Like, I would, I would go with that. Um, Where do you order? I'm going to show oh, you. Yeah. Or you can just email your liaison. Yeah. Yes, you can email your liaison. <coughs> and also look at what, what we have in the library and what we have on order, too, because I can't tell you how many times people write to me and ask me for a book, and I say, we already have it. There's a book order form. And we'll, I'll get the sign-in sheet, and we'll send this out to everybody. Yeah. But in, I, under services for faculty. Are there criteria in terms of what has to be in terms of 70% for students, so that students can travel for it, or the professors for their research? Yes, you're a faculty member. If you're saying you need this book, we're going to buy it for you. But there is one there is one thing I'll add to that. Because I have <coughs> some folks and some of my scientists that like to do this. You know, they'll order a book because they want it for their research group and they'll check it out and we'll never see it again. Right. Um, which is okay, but please, if you do that, renew the book. Like, don't just check it out and disappear. Because you can check it out for a year <laughs> and they get a year, right? Yes, and you can renew it for another year. But well, see, yeah. uh, the university I came from where I did my doctoral work, you you could just do that. It, it was just assumed that if, if you're a faculty member, you can check out a book and you can keep it forever. So I think part of it is just educating faculty oh, here yeah. that that's you're not right. the policy. Right. Because I was shocked the first time I got this late notice. I'm like, what's this? Because you know, right. I'm just used to checking books out and keeping them as long as I need to. Right. Again. But we just ask that you renew them. Right. Because otherwise, what yeah. happens, and it's happened to me, if it's gone for more than yeah. three years, it's automatically this is missing. And then we have to decide if we want to get a replacement for it. And yeah. it's a lot of paperwork. Right. So, so but I, uh, just, just yeah, that's a heads up to let you know. No, but thank you. I think yeah. education. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's yeah. more like a way, right? right? Like Facebook like way. Hi, like this is here. policy here. I still have that book. Right. Um, I like I said, I'm going to bring a wheelbarrow around and collect all the books that you should have sent back and you don't need anymore. Well, there was a guy who just returned a 53-year overdue book in mm -hmm. his middle school library. I just yeah, the paper yesterday. It was pretty funny. We get yeah. donations from retired faculty all the time that have library books in them. So there's nothing punitive. I mean, you're not going to get fined or yeah, anything. We'll it's, just, it's just we want to know where the book is yeah. and that somebody still actually needs it. And if graduate students, if there's something you need for your research, Order a book. Just throw in your throw in Ruth's name and yeah. <laughs> 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 and it shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess the last thing I'll say too is we're very happy to purchase textbooks to put on reserve for your students. Oh. So um, oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Oh, you show the reserve. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll show the reserve one. This is something again. I email my 
departments like three times a year easily about this. Every year we have students come to the reference desk saying, do you have my textbooks because they all think the library has you know, unlimited money in space and we have like 500 copies of the textbook. Um, and sometimes we do, and I say, oh, Lord, your professor didn't put it on reserve because what happens is the first early bird student will, of course, come along and check out the book. Who can blame her? I do the same thing, right? And then the 55 other students in the class don't have access to it. So we really push putting the textbooks on reserve. And there's a little known secret that was a policy kind of unofficially adopted three or four years ago, I guess, when John Irwin was here, which we don't publicize, but I would tell everybody, if you put in a reserve request for a textbook that we do not have, we will buy it. We have a special, not large, but we do have a special little fund for that, under interdisciplinary or something. So but often, know, often the books, the, the textbook publishers will give you two copies. And if you have one, of course. Right. I always, I always say, well, I want one for home and I want one from my office. And I'll give you back and forth. And they're like, oh, okay. And then when I someone, um, then I take the extra copy and I, and I put it on reserve in the library. You are a scrupulously good citizen. It's here under book yeah. order form. And I said, and if we don't have it, it does ask you to look and see if we do have it. But if we don't have it, we will buy. Of course, we welcome desk copies, just not outdated ones that nobody's going to use. Um, but I understand that these days publishers are not nearly as generous as they used to be in terms of throwing desk copies at you, even if it's your own book. So right. we don't. You can't count on it. But we can't count. It's, it's worth asking. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes we get around by we have two professors teaching the same class in different sections. We both ask for it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, by all means, send them our way. Or check with us first if we, if we want them. You know, I mean, there may be some things that aren't relevant for us. But yes, any, anything that you can give us yeah. helps putting things on reserve absolutely helps students. Because these days, I don't know if there's studies done on this, what percentage of students don't buy their textbooks, yeah. but I suspect it's pretty hefty. Yeah. Um, you know. I think I know this, but maybe you can refresh your memory. How, if you have an e-book on reserve, can you link that to Blackboard? Yes. Yes. How do you request that? You go look. Oh, I'm if sorry. If you have the e-book, uh -huh. if you do, then yeah. And if we don't, again, we'll buy it. And also yeah. think about um, how big your class is, because mm -hmm. if it's 40 students, we could buy multiple licenses because we don't want them to get locked out. Mm -hmm. It's so. Yeah. So if it's an e-book e e and a student is looking at it, then nobody else exactly oh. they won't be able to get oh. in. It, it depends. Depends on the it license depends. because different yeah. publishers all have different license conditions. Oh, okay. Some we have unlimited. Sometimes yeah. it's unlimited, but sometimes it's one, and we bump it to three if we anticipate forty How students. How would we know? We'll we'll, you we'll, we'll figure it out for right. you. Yeah. Well, actually, there is a way to tell from the book itself. Um, let me just go back in here for a moment. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't replace them having to buy the book if it's like a really core text. Yeah. And usually textbooks, you can't get e-books anyway because the publishers know that they've got the market tied up with students. So like Pearson, you can't ask the library to ask a Pearson to buy a, you know, Fundamentals of Nursing in e-book form and give everybody access to it. They just won't do it. They want to charge the students $400 a piece. But some books, oh, I don't know, what can we do? Um, Oh, you'll just, oh, bipartisanship. Let me do one of yours. <laughs> oh, okay, you're not. Where were you? That's weird. Yeah, that is weird. 
do something silly so that we do e-book and if you take a look at it it should show you in the record and if it doesn't you can open it well, that's right they changed it now it doesn't show it used to this is under description This is aggravating. Lisa, do you remember when the guy came and he said they took this off and now you have to open the book to see the conditions and we complained about it? I, I, I miss that. We all complained and we said, why did you do that? It should yeah, stay down here. There you go. There you go. Oh, unlimited user access. Unlimited yeah. user access. But so some of them will show single user access. Okay. It just depends on the title. You just open the book. Yeah. Okay. We're going to try to get it put back to because some of them will tell you. Let me see if I can find them. And some of them will tell you without having to open the book. You know, the problem. Mm -hmm. I've um, had a, a book and told students to go in. I didn't yeah. realize it. Like, okay, go in and they download it, and now suddenly no one can get it. And they can download. It's like 48 hours, and well, I have like 18 students in this class. Yeah, the entire semester. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they basically had to return it. And then I had to like lay down the law. You are not to download right, it. <laughs> Don't yeah. look at it. Don't download it. I'm very. I'm sometimes tempted to make that you can't download it. We have that yeah, option. That would be a good idea, probably. Yeah. But sometimes yeah. the things that are like very research intensive. I'm right. Like yeah. Something. That's oh, there's always the downside. There's always the all chance of someone not in the class. Oh, these are all books. Oh, look, yeah. And then it's gone. <laughs> completely. Yeah. Fortunately, some of these are classes. You know, they can't get it. It's telling you to take it out. We tell them in library sessions not to download. We could explore yeah, that. Don't yeah. see. Something that's in Brary. If it would be linked to Blackboard, right? Would that then automatically give lots of Just because I'm looking for something that's one user, I can't find one. No. No, no, because you had to go, well, this, the whole digital rights management mm -hmm. DRM with ebooks, which the publishers are totally paranoid about, yeah. you can't send a link. For an ebook from one place to another without an easy pro without a proxy way to log in, that's the way they keep control because they're terrified that we'll download a copy of the ebook and send it to everybody. Um, which is also why even if you download it, it expires after 48 hours. Right. Yeah. So the way that it's done with Blackboard is actually it's set up that they're authenticating to Blackboard and then the link will work. If they yes. authenticate to Blackboard, the link will work. A PDF of like the chapter or certain number of pages, and that you can save, and then that you can share. Mm -hmm. So that's why yeah. <laughs> I don't trust any of them. Okay, you I can. Have if you have a class, Mary, if you have a small class, say there's 12 yeah. chapters in the book, there are no publishers around for it. What I would suggest is you have every student in the class download a chapter, which is perfectly legitimate, right. and then share it. Yeah. Not necessarily electronically. Yeah. Right. No. Well, what I would do is post it to Blackboard. Yeah. I would not email to them or make it public. I would just post it to Blackboard. So they post it in yeah, yeah. It's all. It's often just a chapter. It's really important. Yeah, they're looking at the chapter. They needed not the whole book, but they downloaded the whole book and they get the chapter. I'm going to read it tonight. I'm going to go ahead. No idea. I can do that.